Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there, welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast. And this week we are um, being joined by Kate Flanders, who is an author of two books, The Year of Less and The Adventures of In Opting Out. And um, Kate is in Canada, Victoria, BC. And um, so I'm going to get really, everyone's going to get really confused going, Kate, 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 not that Kate. Kate with a C, Kate with a K. Um, so we're going to, yeah, navigate that together. Um, yeah, and really, really interesting topic. And we're really, really stoked that Kate is here to talk to us. So we always start with a little check-in. Um, so hi, Kate with a C. How are you doing? I'm good. I would also say that you will have to navigate which Kate it is, but people will know whose voice is different. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I figured that out. Yeah. But, um, but I'm I'm doing okay. Yeah, I think that uh, I mean we're recording this in kind of early December, and certainly feeling some of the things that come with end of the year. But I'm I'm okay. So you got you were just saying that you are going back into full lockdown. Is that right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so interesting to see how every country is doing this all a little bit differently. So we're not in an intense lockdown where you're not allowed to do anything, like where you strictly have to stay at home. But uh, essentially, you're only supposed to socialize with people who are in your household, which would be really hard for anyone who lives alone right now. Um, So only with people in your household, you can go for like a one-on-one walk with someone because you can do that at a distance, but that's about it. So it's it'll be pretty quiet between now and it, we know for sure it's going until at least January eighth. So it's going to be pretty quiet here. Yeah. So you, you're not you're not coming out for the Christmas season, which a lot of con- a lot of sort of European countries are doing. They're kind of breaking out before. How are you, Kate? With a K. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I'm off. I'm well. I don't know, right? Like I I'm have fire. to share. That's what I you were going to say to share like a moment ago because I've been racing around and timings have not been my friend today. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's just the kind of craziness of you know, like you were saying that end of year sort of feeling, Kate. But um. You know, and it reminded we had we had Rachel Welford on the podcast who'd kind of had a massive nervous breakdown, didn't she, like a while ago? And she said she now does gong baths. Do you remember when she was saying that, like, sometimes when she's doing a gong bath for her clients, she thinks she might actually just be back in the institution with the nurses going, well done, Rachel, and she's just there banging a bin lid. Do you remember her saying that? And I had that real feeling today as I wandered around my daughter's riding and I was wandering around this dark paddock with my dog. And I felt like that. I had this feeling like the care home had like lost me and that they were going to come. It's my married name is Mrs. Stenhouse, right? So Kate Bailey, but that's my professional. That they're going to go, come on, Mrs. Stenhouse. Like, don't just wander off. And they were just going to come and get me. And I was like, because I got the timing wrong with my daughter's lesson. Like, you know, my internet didn't work. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I didn't. I actually didn't have that much to do today, but even that seems to be, maybe it's because of the crazy year, right? Maybe, 
maybe it's my age. It's just like it's all a bit too much. <laughs> so I did like your message you sent me earlier. It was just like, I feel like, a what are they called? I've got welly boots on. I've got a little hat on. What am I called? I'm one of those. A gnome. I feel like a gnome. <laughs> I'm a gnome. Lost in a wood. <laughs> and you were like, I might send you a video. I was like, oh, that's going to be a really interesting video of just Please like a black do. screen. A black screen of you in a wood. So there we go. So that's good. Well, yeah, how about you, Mandy? How are you doing? I am. I'm pretty. I'm all right, actually. Thank you. <laughs> Not much to report this end. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're. This is the second podcast of the day, so we're like in podcast land today, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. We are, and it's so brilliant to sort of finally meet you because I've been aware of your work, Kate, for I think a couple of years, and I can't remember why I I saw your name or something popped up, but it was this this thing about you know li- the the year of less, and I became aware of your work, and I and then I ha- heard that you were sober. I, I think I just stalked you a little bit without you knowing <laughs> a couple of years ago. As we do. <laughs> usually Mandy's a stalker but I did for some reason you you you, you know you sparked with me and then we sort of find you know a couple of years later that we're all we're all chatting and and this kind of I don't know our meandering paths it's not like it's like a metaphor for you you know your next book your your now book adventures in opting out you know this sort of metaphor in the landscape our paths have kind of crossed and I'm delighted to talk to you I was just gonna say I'm I'm so glad. It's also I think that I've written about my sobriety a lot, but I often find actually I should say I don't often find other people who are sober, even in that mm. in that work. So to be able to have conversations about it, it just feels um like really aligned and also just nice. It's nice to actually connect with people who get it and who have been in even if it's different yeah. boats, like who have a similar understanding. Yeah, it's something about, well, because I, full disclosure, knew less about your work. And then we were just chatting beforehand. And I was like, sorry, what? Do do let year of less? Yes, please sign me up. Like, where do I go? Put me in the wood cabin, please. Enough of all the people. And that's probably not what your work's about at all. But I was like, brilliant, aligned values. Yes, please. Less uh, is definitely where my head is going. And I do think that's part of the sober kind of conversation and change of just like, of value I guess and putting more value in the things that you have and the simple pleasures um so we always start with um a little bit about your drinking story if that's all right Mm. so yeah um if you tell us a little bit about what brought you to the decision to stop drinking alcohol yeah yeah I think you know I started drinking when I was pretty young I remember the first time I got drunk I was 12 years old and even the story of that it was so it was it was a complete accident like on my part it was not actually intentional and um I wrote about that story in the year of less so uh essentially like I don't know my biological father we don't have a relationship and the one and only time I met him we went out for dinner um with him myself and my mom and then afterwards he asked her if he could take me to this like ice cream spot and take some pictures downtown because he worked as a photographer And he ended up taking me to a bar that I guess he knew the owners or had friends or something there that he hadn't seen them in years. 
And he literally sat me at the bar and somehow his friend served me drinks. Like somehow his friend felt that that was appropriate and served me drinks. And of course they were like lime margaritas and you don't know what that is. It is a kid. And you're like, great. Like, I don't know. And, but I, that was my first experience with drinking and it was, um, then became this thing that when I was 13, so I would have been in like in Canada, it would have been eighth grade when I was 13. It then became kind of the, the one thing I was good at. Like I was not a kid who had many hobbies or even a lot of interests. I was good at reading books and that's about it. And, but I became like the fun person to party with. I could keep up with people um, you know, I never got sick, never really got hung over. I could keep up with the guys. And it it truly throughout high school became a piece of my identity, as it does, I think, for a lot of teens in a way, if you don't have kind of anything else going on. Um, but what I didn't really understand was also happening then is that drinking became the thing that helped me, you know, get through dating, get through awkward social situations. I did not know how to really handle anything that was uncomfortable unless I was drunk. Um, which of course then made other things more uncomfortable, but such is life. And yeah, I remember the first time that I thought about not drinking, I was, I was probably only like 20 or 21. And it was after a blackout. I remember I went to a house party for a friend before she went traveling for the year. And um, I remember about the first hour of that night and nothing else. And blackouts were very normal for me, even up until when I finally stopped. I, I honestly probably got blackout drunk almost every time I drank. Like where sometimes, you know, you just forget an hour of it. But then other times you forget sort of everything after an hour. And most of the time it was the latter where I forgot almost everything or I would have these like little snippets of memories. And, but at that party in particular, um, I remember, I remember like wanting to leave and apparently I like called a cab. Um, apparently then I got bored while waiting for the cab or the taxi and I sat on the pavement and then I fell asleep on the sidewalk and apparently then friends, parents came and picked me up off the ground, put me in their van, drove me all the way home and carried me into my house. And I, I don't remember any of it. And so that was the first time where I thought I'm going to stop drinking. And I, I don't know, I did stop for something like 30 or 60 days. And then I just went back to it. And that happened a few times in my 20s. And then um, when I was 27, I felt, I felt very serious about it. Um, there was a period where I... I did sort of even announce like I am going to stop drinking and I didn't drink for 45 days. And then a friend of mine, we were like um, at a gig, just a small gig and listening to some music. And she just handed me a beer very casually because it's something she always would have done. And I just grabbed it and drank it. And I basically spent the next two weeks like constantly getting blackout drunk. Um, including I went to New York city for the first time and I, I don't remember that much of it. And I remember when I got home a few days later, it was for Christmas um, and got really blackout drunk one night here over Christmas. And then I just woke up the next morning and thought, I cannot do this anymore. Like I just, it's not even that the worst of the worst happens, but 
nothing about this actually feels good anymore. It's like, I know that I, I need something different. I need to live differently than this. And yeah, loads of that resonates with my story um, massively. Um, And it's a story that a, a lot of people don't hear but it's very much a lot of women's story is that blackout drinking and being blackout drunk. Um, and I just, and that thing of kind of, of, of missing out on things. And, you know, it was just like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, I went to New York or I went to that party in London. And I don't remember like w- what a shame, you know? Um, and the, the kind of that anxiety sort of safety issue of just like, wow. Like, like I always say, you know, when I finally quit the the last time it was because you know my son jumped in the pool and he hit his head I wasn't drunk or anything like that but I had a glass of wine in my hand I was just about to take a sip it was my first drink of the evening and he hit his head he's fine but it was just that accident and it was that I'd been sort of counting my blessings and my chances for the last like 25 years or whatever you know it's just like like I'm no more am I gonna wake up in the morning and go ah phew thank god nothing really bad happened (laughs) you know and that's that was my drinking it was like that constant anxiety of like you know to the point of sometimes it would be like oh what did I say oh my god how embarrassing to like oh my god where did these bruises come from and how did I get home um so yeah so thanks for sharing that yeah with us it is it's like that thing of it's almost like having nine lives isn't it or that by the grace of god and the sliding door feelings it's just so hazardous for so many of us can relate to that you know that sort of 90s i get i'm assuming it's around the 90s and noughties kind of drinking culture that we certainly had in the uk and we didn't question it either, did we? It's just kind of what you you did. Um, mm. So yeah. So so when you 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 stopped, what was the kind of yeah? What was the what what happened then? What's the next piece of the story for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's so interesting to share this because it's one of those things where you you wish it was a little bit different or more helpful in a way. But I mean, also everyone just does it, however it works for them. And I think the piece of it that I feel almost just looking, looking back, I feel bad for myself is that I was, I really isolated myself in it. So some people go the route of, you know, finding a support group, whether it's AA or just finding people online, even like they, they find some kind of um, group or community that they can connect with. And I took a very different route. I, like really isolated myself. Um, I sort of just stopped doing almost anything social because I didn't know what socializing looked like without alcohol, really. And I found I was staying home a lot. Um, I did have like one or two friends who I, I would text and sort of like, they knew what I was doing. They knew that I had decided to stop. Um, But I even went so far as to, so at that time I was living in Toronto, Canada, which is a big city that is very, like the mentality there is just like work hard, play even harder. And I even went so far as to like three months into my my sobriety, deciding that I had to leave. Like I was just like, I cannot even live here. Like this is just not 
the right environment for me. Um, but yeah, I really isolated myself at first. I, I don't know. I like just went very inward. I found I would stay home, read a lot of books, watch a lot of TV and was just uncomfortable. And I felt it like I felt alone. And yet it was like, I just couldn't, I don't know. Like I couldn't figure out like what another option looked like. Mm. Um, so yeah, like how that, long have you been sober for? When was that? Um, at the end of December this year, it'll be eight years. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting the timeline because I just don't think like things have changed so much. You know, both Kate and I have been in this kind of realm for about eight years, and that about eight years ago was when the beginnings of kind of sober forums and different options online. Because before that, I just don't unless you wanted you didn't want to you know, unless you you were okay to go to traditional kind of um, recovery groups, there just wasn't anything really. And it has changed so much now, you know, there's, there is all the options that you mm. can have, you know, to kind of socialize and, and make that available. But yeah, so I, what I do have on. one interesting story of something that happened or that that helped, it was about six or eight months into it. Um, there was a blogger. So back in the day, I used to write about personal finance online, just like my budgeting and things I was doing with my money. And uh, there was another blogger who I read where she was kind of documenting paying off some student loan debt, but then she would also talk about her early days in sobriety, um, as well as sort of some troublesome stuff in her family and she wrote anonymously, and but we connected in the comments section occasionally. And then one day I emailed her and told her privately, like, I, I've been sober. I think it only been for like 30 days or something. And I said, you know, I'm sober and it's just been really helpful to read about your experience. And she ended up replying to me and saying, I need to be really honest with you. And she said, like, I, I had this other friend or another blog that was personal finance related and only personal finance related or maybe she talked about books too or something, but uh, her name was Claire and we were really good friends over there. And she was like, like she was writing anonymously as B and she goes, I'm actually Claire. Like Claire had these two blogs going. Oh, amazing. Um, it was totally wild. And now like Claire and I are very good friends. Oh, that's so, so lovely. That's, that's been really neat. So I guess like I did find one friend, but yeah, it, it is so different now, which I'm so grateful for. Um, because it just shows like you do not have to sort of do it the way I did it of just kind of roughing through it. Yeah, because we I mean, we talked William Porter, who's an author who wrote The Alcohol Explained, which is a brilliant book. And he talks about the same sort of thing, you know, back when he kind of got sober, it was just like he just did it on his own. And that's the one thing that he would sort of, you know, his tip for people was just like, it doesn't have to be that hard, you know, like, go make friends, like, you don't have to just sort of yeah just isolate um you know wonderfully there's so many groups now online and and things like that that people can join um and so yeah your area of kind of the biggest area of personal growth you've noticed since you're sober and what sort of led you to doing the work that you do and writing the books that you wrote yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So I got sober at the end of 2012. And I was in the middle of paying off a ton of consumer debt that I had. And I finished paying that off. Um, so that felt good. But it also, 
actually like looking back, the way that I paid off my debt was also there was a lot of deprivation, isolation in it. Like I was really hard on myself and I just didn't really let myself have any fun money or any kind of budget, especially once I quit drinking. I just like was like, what does fun money even do? Like, I don't even know how to categorize that. <laughs> um, but what was interesting is like, because I wrote about money so publicly on my blog back then, I then for the next year, so I'm both sober and uh, debt free. What I noticed is that instead of saving anything, like instead of putting any money in the bank, I basically every single month would have to explain to people why I had spent everything. And I did not put two and two together for at, like over a year, but um, a year or so later, I decided then I'm going to do this challenge where I don't buy anything because I, I clearly like I could look around my home and just see I have enough like I don't, I don't actually need more. I have books that I haven't even read yet. You know, I, I watch television, I go hiking, like I don't really need anything more in those areas of my life. Um, and so I decided to do this challenge where I wouldn't buy anything for a year. I was very naive about it in the sense that and in a way, I'm glad I walked into it just being like, I don't know, maybe I can do it. <laughs> like, we'll see what happens. Um, but I learned very quickly that what had happened for me was that instead of drinking, um, I had switched to spending money to make myself feel better. And it wasn't that I was going back into debt because it wasn't it wasn't quite that drastic. But I I was constantly making like justifications for why it was okay to spend all the rest of my money on just whatever whatever made me feel better that day. Um, I'm hearing you loud and clear, by the way. Like yeah. Matt will be nodding and kind of going, "Yeah, okay, yeah." So I'm really interested. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no. I mean, such a link. Hmm. Yeah, and I I didn't put that together until I couldn't buy anything right mm -hmm. and so what happened that year and what I I talk about a lot in in my first book is that because I couldn't do either of those things I had to actually feel my feelings for the first time like I had to actually learn how to sit with hard feelings and learn like proper self-soothing or healthy self-soothing tactics and just get through it and like th there was it, I don't know. It's, now looking back, I'm like, of course, that's so obvious. But it was not obvious when I was entering that year that that's what was going to happen. I did not yeah. know. I also, like, I'm just not going to buy stuff. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be rich. Well, I'm really laughing about this because it's the kind of thing, there's this few things resonating to me, you know, that kind of slightly extreme thing. And it's the kind of thing I do. I'll go, right, I'm never going to spend again. Do you know what I mean? I would say that I would, you know, all the times that I said I was, I was never going to drink again. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's a real, and I really hear that bit of that, you know, that, that just whatever it, whatever makes you feel better kind of thing. Um, and I'm really wondering like what, what came out of that then for you? Like what, what did make you feel better? What was the path? Oh gosh. I mean, well, first, it was more like noticing how it comes up, like how the hard stuff comes up. So I went through a breakup about three months into that experiment. And that was hard, like noticing that the feelings of rejection were really painful for me. Um, also learning a bit about just like attachment style and how anxious I get. And so then sort of looking for something to soothe my actual anxieties. I I will say early on, uh, and these are still tactics for me, I guess. I'm like, I learned, A, not only that 
um, it was better to talk it out with a friend. Like it was, I think the one time I didn't isolate myself quite so much where I just thought, you know, no one will think too much of this because I'm kind of just talking about shopping. So (laughs) to say like, I need a little support in not shopping. Um, I just need to like talk about what I'm feeling a little bit. Um, that was helpful. Um, I, I still do this. I take a lot of bubble baths, like just a lot. I feel so calm in water and just like being okay with that, that that is just, okay, I'm going to get in the bath and I'm going to read a book here, or I'm just going to listen to music. or I'm going to listen to a podcast and I'm just, this is how I'm going to deal with it for the next hour. Um, I also got better though at kind of just like crying and letting that be okay. Like just Mm -hmm. letting it out, like whatever the feeling is. And it takes time and like perspective, but like the feelings do pass. Like none of them are still with me, right? Like I don't feel anything about that breakup anymore. Like that has all passed. It's it's okay. Um, it's hard when you're doing it, but I think there's a real almost act of reminding yourself like you're safe, you're loved, you're worthy. Mm-hmm. And those are words that I certainly... Um, or just that as a practice, I don't, I don't have a memory or ritual around stuff like that as, as a kid, that wasn't really my childhood. So uh, it, it's hard to give it to yourself as an adult. And it's what's been helpful. Mm, I love that. And it's interesting, we were talking on a podcast, weren't we earlier on today with with Josh Connolly, who Mm. he was, um, yes, he is the the Nakoa and um, advocate for men's mental health and he was talking about it a similar thing about kind of reparenting ourselves you know it's like what's the need what's the feeling tell the truth like a lot about truth which has really stayed with me today and I've had quite an emotional and like scatty day um and then yeah how to kind of resource that 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 child and it's it kind of almost like annoys me because I'm like yeah bloody I I knew all of that on paper for years and years and years and years and years you know and it's like oh god that again but it's so true isn't it it's that how do we soothe ourselves how do we soothe our nervous system so that we don't go into these reactive behaviors like for you it was then the shopping thing and for me most certainly it is you know it's very interesting yeah, and I think it's that thing also, isn't it, of like meeting where yourself where you're at at the moment. And it's like, you know, we always say that with clients or, you know, when you're working with people, it's like I meet you where you're at right now. And if you're drinking, if you're struggling, if you're, you know, if you're shopping, if you're gambling or whatever, it's like all of that is OK because it's just where you are right now and you're just trying to cope, you know, and that's the the, the coping strategy that that has worked for you in the past and now we're going to look at ways to kind of you know look after you in in ways that are going to be sustainable and going to kind of bring you joy and not shame you know and it's just switching it up and finding other ways isn't it um so can you tell us a little bit about yeah the key themes for simplifying your life and and a little bit more about this how do you live with less and yeah (laughs) (laughs) does that how do you yeah uh what's funny because I even even just in thinking about how to answer this I'm I'm seeing like there's there are ways that I've simplified that I could almost take as lessons for just how to help myself in other 
ways or at other times that have nothing to do with decluttering, just sort of, um, yeah, acknowledging things, uh, acceptance, truth. Um, I mean, it started uh, at the same time I actually was doing the the no shopping for the year. I decided to declutter at the exact same time, which sounds so weird. You're like, I'm not going to buy things and I'm also going to get rid of everything. But I, yeah, it started, well, actually, I could say this, like Marie Kondo's books hadn't quite come out yet, because this was in 2014. And I think her books hit North America, like four months later. But there was a piece of what she does that I did do, which I essentially dumped all the contents of a room, like on my bed or on the floor. And then you have to deal with it because it's a massive mess. Um, So I what I will say about it is I was ruthless in the beginning. Like basically if I hadn't used it recently and couldn't imagine using it in the near future, I got rid of it. And it was, it was cutthroat. Like I think in the first two months I got rid of almost 50% of my belongings. Um, So it was really, really drastic at the start. Um, As the year went on, what got interesting was, because I kept kind of slowly decluttering, not because I had to, but just the more you're like living with stuff and looking at what you've kept, but you're not using any of it, it, you just become really aware of that. And so what I noticed was how many things I had kept. Um, first of all, of course, with the like the person I actually am, and I'm actually going to use these things, and I do wear those clothes or read those kinds of books. But there was also so many things I had kept for this like ideal version of myself, like this, this version of myself that I thought I should be, or thought people would like me better if I was the person who read those books, or I would be more interesting or better dressed or something if I, if I kept these things, but none of them were actually me. And I had never, ever noticed any of that stuff. I didn't notice when I was buying it. I didn't notice it when I first started decluttering. It was only after time went on And I was just being more honest with myself. Like I did not buy those things for who I actually am. Also because I didn't accept myself for who I was back then. Like I was not, I was not enough as I was. I was not okay just as I was. I needed these other things to like prove to myself that I just could be different. I could be better. Um, And that, that was, again, it, it actually wasn't that hard. It was more just like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like once I saw those things and just thought, oh, like all those classic novels or all these like nonfiction books I think I'm supposed to read or I'm like, I'm actually not interested. And how how interesting is it to give yourself permission to actually do what's right for Mm -hmm. you and to just accept yourself like what are you interested in only get those things like why are you getting all these other things do you you know I'm really really it's making me really excited right and I'm like I'm like I'm so doing this now like this I'm so doing it for 2021 Mandy watch this space right like I'm gonna you're my accountability um but it's almost making me feel like um, like humor me and um, this might like be totally wrong, but it's sort of, well, it reminds me of the whole process of, of 
being sober for a start, when you get rid of some shit that doesn't serve you anymore, you can hear, right? You can hear and you can see. And the more it's like you become more finely attuned to your energy, like your true north, your, you know, like properly. And it's like incremental, isn't it? It's stages. And it's because there's some real similarities in that, in that process, that beautiful uncovering somehow. Well, and I think it only keeps going. Like I'm noticing this year, this year, like I said, in December, it'll be eight years. And this year I've started to ask myself, like, or notice that I'm still someone who sometimes deprives myself of things that I want because I'll, I can find all these reasons why I shouldn't have it. So the clearest example was I wanted a bicycle. I've wanted a bicycle for years. I used to love riding when I was a kid, but I would always put it off because I would think like, well, I travel a lot. I'm not home that much, so I won't use it that much. And da, da, da. Like I would make all these excuses when the reality is like whenever I'm on a bike, even if it's once a month, I get so much pleasure out of it. Like why was I depriving myself of that? And, and so it just like keeps coming. It just keeps mm-hmm. coming out. I love that because it's like we're like oh we just got rid of loads of stuff and then we're like no we didn't we got stuff that we really wanted back in so that's like we made space we cleared space for joy yeah right yeah like authentic and I love that because I I have a a bike um and I don't ride it very often and it gets comment (laughs) you know but it's like it doesn't mean that I'm never gonna ride it and also and I really love it when I do so it, it did have meaning to me and it and it's it's mine but yeah it's that we put such a lot of pressure on ourselves that unless it's kind of there's a utility to it on a yeah I just like that I like it's like we can have things that we really cherish Mm. it's sort of mindful isn't it it's like and it's like yeah really when you have those things that you love to to really tune into them and love them that high vibe with them somehow yeah I think that like sometimes in the minimalism kind of simple living space it can feel uh almost like it's constant deprivation. Like you're constant, like you're getting rid of so much that you basically have nothing. And to me, that's just not what it's about. It's like releasing all the things that do not make sense for you, right? Like what are you, like getting rid of the layers of stuff that you'll never get to because you're actually not that interested in them or you bought them for the wrong reasons or you're holding onto them for the wrong reasons and asking yourself like, what do you actually want to be doing? It is also in that realm, it is okay to buy stuff for that stuff, like those needs. Like do not deprive yourself if you know you're going to enjoy something. Mm-hmm. And so the second book, The Adventures in Opting Out, how is that a progression from the first book? Yeah, it's um, it's neat because it still includes personal story, but I sort of noticed like with... Oh, the dog's just shaking. (laughs) Um, I noticed with the year of less, how many people would reach out to me and or at events or interviews, they would reach out and ask questions along the lines of, you know, have you lost friends along the way? Have you, whether it was giving up shopping or drinking, like, have you lost people along the way? And what I noticed in my first few responses to that was I was really sugarcoating it 
like really just being like, well, like, you know, some relationships change or you can find other things to do together. And like, I was almost wanting to give them the answer that they probably want to hear um, or the one that will make them feel better, but it didn't feel good. And I noticed it really quickly. And so then I started saying the more honest thing, which is just complex and hard to hear at times, but like, of course you will lose people. Like, of course, of course you will lose friends when you decide to live differently than you have been. Of course, people will not know how to connect with you because there was a way they connected with you before and now you've changed. Like, of course, there are going to be hard things that come up when you decide to change some aspect of your life. And what I like realized was that 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 is one of the things I've almost now embraced before making changes that like, not necessarily that I'm going to lose someone, but that it's not going to just be like taking on this challenge or making this decision and then everything's going to be okay. I really have to like consider um, certain choices that I'm making. It'll take me a long time to even make them because I'm kind of going through almost like preemptively the ups and downs that could come. And that that is a mindset I've, I've really had to embrace, um, especially before, well, with anything that I've decided to do differently from <laughs> anything that I've decided to do differently than what I was doing before. So um, that's been very different. Like, I mean, I would say obviously the shopping ban was one. Sobriety has been my biggest opt out, the biggest sort of form of changing paths in life for me, or certainly the one that has taught me the most and taught me the most about getting comfortable like being the odd one out in a room Mm. um but even smaller ones like career changes or um the way that I kind of move around and travel like these are all things that were not modeled for me or there were even stories that were told to me of how it was unacceptable um and it's taken a lot for me to make the decision then to do them not just because I have my own fears but there's also external fears and and like expectations that I've been holding on to for a long time. Mm. Um, so I it's sort like of, that's just kind of shedding a skin, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like, of course, things are going to go by the wayside. Like, of course, there's that dead skin, that dead part of that change, you know, but it's like clearing out for something new and something fresh and like, you know, and, and understanding that that is part of it, mm. isn't it? Uh, and it, and you're making me think so I'm going to uh, start to to like you know I'm thinking out loud again but this sort of intentional kind of living like which I think is really brave and I think we do that in like we make a start on that in sobriety right don't we it's like a massive bit of intentional living and it's sort of reminding me of like that that's sort of those zen masters right or something like going off and and taking these sort of pilgrimages like these personal like life is a personal pilgrimage right but often we we just miss it because we have all the stuff and all the busyness and all the drinking and like and so there's that 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 very much feeling like you know and I know that you use that sort of metaphor of of walking and a journey right like treading your path so just bear with me and then the other angle on it is it's making me feel like it's. I remember reading a while ago that when there was the kind of death of religion, right? Hmm. 
then we lost our moral compass quite in a quite a big way and the okay. social sciences were supposed to be that kind of moral instruction for us and they ended up in universities and they ended up not making any sense and there's something about your work that I feel is quite like that it's like so almost like making social and personal experiments and then feeding back it's like you're you're researching you're you're being like a social scientist almost <laughs> um sorry that was a lot to throw out there but then no. just my thoughts no, I mean, I really resonate with the piece of um, because we don't or, or fewer people have religion in their lives or there fewer people are raised with it. Um, to, of course, we are given whatever sort of our family's values are. But you're right. There isn't this like overall moral value, moral compass of here's how to be a good person in the world. Here's how to take care of yourself. Here's how to take care of others. Like that's not necessarily handed down to us depending on how we're raised. And I definitely think that that is one of the reasons um, it's really difficult or can be really difficult for us to figure out what our values are when we're doing it on our own. And I, I like there's this piece of me that thinks this is lifelong work. Like, I don't know that the values I have today even are the ones I'm still going to have in 10 years. Some of them will be, of course. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it is mm -hmm. really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's that kind of... Yeah, I mean, it's the, well, they do, they talk about the kind of the cult of shopping or the, you know, the the, the worship of of consumerism, essentially, you know, that like that's that's where we're at in a lot of ways. And, and that is that kind of counterculture just to say, mm, I'm opting out, actually, thank you very much. Um, and it is brave. And I, I really, there's so much of that that as Kate said like excites me I mean I have my own it's very very difficult to have a kind of moral com compass about money and about spending in this life now you know like I've got two young kids they want stuff I don't want them to have stuff um, but I don't want them to be unhappy either you know and it's like trying to it's trying to find that balance of like well what is what does this mean you know and and I mean Kate and I talk about it and we joke about it like we have very different values around Christmas and around this time of year because all I can see is standing in queues behind people that don't have a lot of money and they're buying mm. so much because it's something that is they feel like it's how they, sh as you said earlier when we were chatting beforehand, it's how they show their their love. You know, it's like I show my love to my kids by giving them the the best of everything, you know, and the the newest iPhone and the best trainers and and all these things. And it's like it's so it's so cultural mm -hmm. that you know no, no wonder. But they're getting themselves in such trouble, and oh, and it's meaningless. I don't think I don't like the consumerism. I'm like a middle no, Eastern pagan who, who, and it's like that. Like, what's the deeper meaning? And you know, that's oh. that's my jam. But yeah, the surface yeah, of that culture yeah. is totally that. Yeah, know. but but what I'm saying is that I can't see that because I never had those tr traditions or values or you know, as we were saying earlier, like my. Christmas didn't really mean that much in my family like I don't have a big family it didn't have any kind of big meaning other than giving gifts basically and watching a lot of telly and being together that was about as, as deep as it went 
and and yeah like I, I I think I might at some point have some sort of meaning to it but I I just really struggle to find that balance with my kids you know and I was having a chat with my son the other day and you know he's not allowed Fortnite, and you know and he was something else had happened and he was like you know, I know, but I'm not a bad kid because I understand Fortnite's bad and so I don't ask for it. And I was like, oh man, like poor you. Because like obviously he wants it, but he just knows that it's like a not a conversation. It's just really hard, but I really value what you're doing. And I think uh, I'm really going to read your books. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I mean, like they're they're different, right? The Year of Less is really personal, but I think does dig into this stuff. Um, and then adventures, I look at more as like, this is a mindset or something that can help people just sort of prepare for what's coming and, or prepare for, um, yeah, like you are entering uncertainty, but to know like some things that could happen along the way. I hope it's okay. I really need to let the dog out. He's like whining to go outside. Fine. <laughs> I'll be right fine. back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm totally doing the, um, I think that's going to be my thing next year. And I love the fact that I don't know whether we're going to chop this or the fact that, you know, Kate can go and let her dog out. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello well, again. Now he, now he won't whine. So. <laughs> how do you I do, do Christmas was... then, by the way? Like, how do you do? Yeah. Um, well, it's different every year, I will say. And I think that anyone who is a child of divorce or has divorce in their family at all will get this. So actually, during the year of less, like during that year-long experiment, my parents split up. And I would say, so this is six years now, like every year has been different. And there's that's actually challenging because it's like we almost don't have any go-to's to um even be an anchor like there isn't yeah. sort of one way that we do it so there's been years where <clears throat> you can sort of tell my parents are were they're not anymore but we're still doing the thing of like um like not wanting to one-up each other but make sure they're both giving like if one person's giving gifts then the other parent has to give gifts because you don't want to be the parent who's not giving gifts um it, it's just been just been different every year. I do think this year we're at a place where everyone like everyone really understands like we're all grown-ups. We all have our own money. Right now there are no young kids in the family. Like I have lots of friends who have um, kids, but there are no young kids in our family yet. So that's helpful in the sense we don't have to add that to it. But right now I'm like, we're all adults. Like I think everyone gets it. We don't need to sort of just be passing around money between each other um but yeah I don't again I'm like next year could be different who knows yeah. <laughs> it's interesting what you said though about you know those anchor points because we we were talking about this think last week's pod about you know high days and holidays and then for sort of love it or hate it Christmas can be that it's quite it's rich and it's nuanced because as a high day it it throws things into profile and 
and and they're like markers you know it's like then we're looking back we're looking forward in a way that we often don't look at and process time like that right Mm. so I'm finding it quite interesting that whole it sounds like it's almost like it's just another day feeling or you know like I don't I don't know know. no it does that is how it feels for us I think that there's I don't know about Christmas necessarily. Something I've been noticing this year is sort of a desire to have a desire to have more ritual in my life or more celebration. Like it's just not a thing that was really part of my childhood. Even like birthdays, it was very much like, here's a few gifts, we'll eat a cake and then we're done. Like it wasn't this thing. It wasn't like sort of a passing of time. Let's mark it. And it wasn't we just didn't have a lot of celebration and it's something I'm noticing as an adult I'm noticing that I actually, I wish we did have it. And I don't know if we can create it in our family, but like, how can I create it for myself or how can I create it in other ways? And I don't know if I even want the holidays to be the thing because it's almost, I don't know. I think I'm a bit with Mandy, like Christmas just doesn't feel like much and I'm okay when um... it comes and goes. (laughs) There's there's a there's a book that I would really recommend actually if you do if you're interested in rituals and it's um the School of Life here at, um in the UK Alan mm. Dalton so I can hear you nodding um so yeah it's called Religion for Atheists and okay. it is a freaking amazing book which is basically it looks at what's what's good what what are the kind of the functional it's a functionalist approach to well actually you know the feasting there is actually a reason for marking there is a rite of passage around this and so you can almost take those knots and bolts and then go well actually I really want to add that in now because that's really going to help me with this particular passage or this day Mm. you know so anyway yeah and I think that's the thing that you know you're very passionate about aren't you and you're teaching me about you know and and certainly um it's something that I I'm thinking more and more you know I think I'm with you like UK I'm kind of coming around to I I'm understanding that we, we as people need processes and we need ritual and we need ways of marking occasions and and having special time you know and I think it is it's like you can do that and detach from commercialism like they're not like so fused and like Kate you know very much it's about going out in the woods and lighting lanterns and having hot chocolate like that sounds incredibly romantic and magical and amazing like that's nothing to do with plastic crap (laughs) you know (laughs) my kids get given um so I and I think you're right and I think like we've lost a lot of that too you know it's kind of being without a lot of kind of spiritual religious practice it's like well how do we say goodbye to people how do we move on how do we grieve you know and all those things so it's very rich you know minimalism doesn't need to be I'm loving I'm loving the possibilities in the opting out and having less and then the things that you do like you say like we're not we don't want these days every day we wouldn't want everything to every day to be a high day we don't want to shop all the time. You know, it is very, I mean, I think we, we sort of touched on that intentional, intentional living, right? So, um, yeah, it's just making very like conscious choices. So yeah. I think of it as 
it's not impulsive or reactive. It's intentional and like responsive. Like what feels like the right response for this? What feels like the way that I want to show mm. up in this? So, oh, it's lovely. Yeah, because it's lovely to buy a, a present for someone, you know, when you really find that thing that you absolutely love and you know that they'll love, you know, that's a wonderful feeling mm-hmm. to be able to give someone a present. Um, but it is, it's just that giving for giving sake. It's just me doesn't mean anything which no. is what I really struggle with okay so um conscious of the time we always finish with um a tip of the day and a reason to love being sober so what would be your tip of the day for people mm. oh my god I don't even know if it's like a good tip I just feel like it's a phrase I've been noticing myself say a lot lately which is just like take good care Like I think taking like deep and tender care of yourself this season, especially feels very important. Um, And especially this year, there's been so much uncertainty. I'm like, you are worth taking care of. Oh, I love that. Um, I got that one like a hug. It hit me right in the heart space. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, What was Um, the second question? (laughs) Your reason to love being sober. Oh gosh. Um, Honestly, I love that I remember everything. Like, it's actually wild now. How many people will comment on things like, you remember so many details. You're so thoughtful. How did you remember that when this happened, I said this? How do you remember da, da, da? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm so glad that I can. (laughs) I'm just so glad that that's that's possible. Yeah, so true. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been fantastic. Um, Really interesting. And um, obviously, we'll put all your details for the books underneath. And um, yeah, really kind of excited to have this conversation and continue talking these things through. And you'll have to check in on us. Uh, Yes, I'm going to stalk you because that's what you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) Check in on us and say, right, Kate, how many, you know, new nail polishes have you got (laughs) (laughs) if they're if they spark joy and they're intentional it's if you wear them they're yours (laughs) yeah oh man yeah amazing i've got your book here in front of me adventures in opting out and like we've been talking about it's about it's a field guide to leading an intentional life which is that it isn't it it's taking it out on the road and treading our paths intentionally and i just you know it's just beautiful thank you so much Kate thank you thank you for such a great conversation oh okay so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking please do just reach out send up a flare get in touch with us info at lovesober.com or look out for um, a sober community that vibes with you so many online now um you know she recovers stateside all over the world um you know, club soda, soberistas. Um, we're just, I just love the sober sphere and we're, we're basically everywhere, you know, wherever you're walking, <laughs> we're amongst you. I get that feeling. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that sinister in any way. Um, but just, yeah, reach out, get support, know that you're not alone, stay safe and we'll see you next week for more chat. Bye guys.